Welcome to Inside Sponsorship, the show that provides sponsorship professionals with advice, insights and news so they can maximise their commercial programmes and achieve best practice. While there are lots of things that go into making a partnership successful, there is probably one element that is more important than others, and that's ensuring that the benefits you offer a sponsor are done so in a way that will help them meet their marketing objectives. That's because we all know that sponsorship is really just one element of a brand's marketing, and that brands will, rightly so, cut marketing that isn't providing results. That makes sense, doesn't it? Yet we all know that the industry, by and large, still struggles somewhat in ensuring that the partnerships that they enter into kick off on a strong foundation in the sense that the benefits being delivered are the right ones. Now at Sponsor, we are obviously privy to seeing a bunch of contracts from right across the world and and loads of different rights holder industries and and big and small contracts and short and long-term ones. And in theory, we should be able to have a fair crack at reverse engineering the brand's uh, objectives simply by looking at the benefits they are receiving. But we often can't. Instead, what we do see quite often is the spaghetti approach. In other words, a big squiggly mess of benefits being offered that don't really seem to make much logical sense. They just look like that's been thrown in there like a bunch of spaghetti. We've even heard stories of brands meeting with rights holders at renewal time and the brand saying, look, we just don't feel like you're meeting our objectives anymore, only for the rights holder to turn around and ask, so what are your objectives? Or there was the time a rights holder rang to ask a sponsor what the activation was that they were going to run at an upcoming event with the sponsor saying, "Um, look, we really don't know what an activation actually is. You just seem like it it was a really good idea and that we should have one at the time we we signed up to be a sponsor so we don't actually know what an activation is now i could go on but you're probably either rolling your eyes or you're nodding your head so what we did is we set about writing a step-by-step guide to help you uncover a potential sponsor's objectives position suitable benefits achieve buy-in and ownership from the sponsor and then set agreed goals around the partnership's objectives. And that's what this episode is all about. I'm going to walk you through the steps on how to do that. But also in this episode, Mark Thompson, as usual, our MD, joins us to talk about something that he is a massive advocate of, and that's storytelling and just how important it is within sponsorship. Here's Mark. You like a good story? I do, mate. I'm a I'm a fan of story. Excellent. Well, that's why I'm ma- friends with you. Ma- you tell you tell ma- a lot of stories. <laughs> Maybe not all of them true. Maybe you could uh, share with us a story from your youth. Are you in a position to do that? <laughs> wow. You've Remembering caught- that this is a family-friendly yeah. podcast. <laughs> um, Something caught your eye about stories recently, yeah, right? Yeah, mate. I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of storytelling. I thought you were going to say you're a big fan of listening to the podcast, which and, I hope you are. And I was listening to the Stu Ramsey podcast um, the other day whilst driving my car and Stu hit on a, on a nail that he, that he was talking about when you were interviewing him yep. and it was about how important storytelling is in, mm. in his role at Southampton and, and how he tries to incorporate it and, and I'm a massive advocate of storytelling and, and how it, it works within sponsorship and, and not just in sponsorship in general, you know, just in, in, in other commercial aspects and it was one of the key features that I... Yeah, I'm used to bang on about in my role at the Australian Sports Foundation, going around and, and speaking to a whole bunch of um, different rights holders around the country. And when Stu raised it, it, it kind of 
really piqued my interest and, and got my sort of brain moving around, you know, why is it so important? And then... Came up in conversation. Yeah, the next day I was at a at a footy match and sitting in a in a corporate area and I was just Good chatting. For some. <laughs> chatting <laughs> Hobnobbing. Mate, it was my turn. <laughs> You've used every other ticket this year. <laughs> I had to um, sit on the lounge and watch yeah. a footy that afternoon. <laughs> um, and I was just I was just telling them about my thoughts and how I uh, listening to the podcast and how that part in particular really grabbed me and and they said to me, Well, why is storytelling so important and and um, how can it be used to drive value within our partnerships? What was the answer? What was your pearls of wisdom, mate? It was uh, it was about five minutes before kickoff, so I tried to really <laughs> dumb it down so I could grab my seat. Um, so it could have gone on longer if we had the hour. But um, <laughs> if you basically, um, you know, sponsorship and this person in particular, then they're involved in a sponsorship which is is definitely not a chairman's choice. It's it's a purely strategic one which is ingrained through their marketing activity right and so i said to them you know it's not about the rights holder telling a story for to you it's about you telling a story to your rights holders audience to engage their members and that is one really surefire way if a rights holder can allow brands to do that to entrench them quickly and integrate fully into their marketing mix cool so your blog that you've written after you've had that conversation you've come in all pumped up on monday morning i'm going to write a blog about it yep it's going to talk about the key fe- the key features of a good story and how do you tell those stories in a sponsorship and in true mark thompson fashion it's yep. broken down into how many sections um it is broken down into three three but then there's a few other little pieces little off value the back. ads so and let's, keys and let's things. say three key features and then three things to remember all right very good so what are we kicking off with so i mean first and foremost the uh, stew goes on to talk about why storytelling is so important in that podcast so if anyone hasn't listened to that podcast go back to it but yeah of course and there's um if you go to the website and check out the blog i've, I've pulled that little snippet out or yep. if you're driving your car or you're on the train or you're waiting for the bus or whatever it is yep. flick to about i think it's at a point where it's about 41 minutes to go 40 yeah, about, minutes to go yeah, about 40 minutes to go yeah. 41 minutes to go and anyway the, the the sort of natural thought for me was then but but what while storytelling is important and it's good to understand that it is important that it makes up every part of everyday life and i particularly enjoyed the part where he was talking about the irish and how important it was yeah, in yeah. their lives and they're just they, <laughs> what's know, the story what's the story um what makes a good story? So how do you write a good story? And and what goes into writing a good story is probably something that the listeners would be keen on understanding, which is what I've sort of focused on in my blog. And, and point one is um, authenticity and alignment. So it's all good to write a story, uh, but you're as a, as a brand, you're dealing with an audience who which is emotionally engaged with an organisation that isn't you. You know, they're, they're emotionally engaged with your rights holder. Um, and so what you're trying to do is rent that audience to get a message to them. And so the best way to do that is to create stories um, that are aligning with your brand, um, but also aligning authentically with the passion of the audience. Mm. So using the rights holder to share a message by showing an authentic sort of mutual value of that rights holder because if it's not authentic and it's not aligned it just feels really invasive and disjointed doesn't well it? if you don't own your audience and you're not authentic you're just yelling at them it's 
like my kids, but I own them. (laughs) (laughs) It's one of the great joys. (laughs) I I would not see them as that. Put your shoes on. All right. So we're we're, we're being authentic and we're aligned with the rights holders' values and their audience and and that. Second? Well, then um, it draws emotional interaction. So, I mean, emotion is the, the... key driver to sales and, mm. and you know there's heaps of different types of emotions which drive a sales decision um you know not all not all of them are you know emotional dis- purchasing decisions but there's some form of emotion that drives that so you know a, want, a need want or a, a problem or a problem yep. so the story remembering that you're not always ju- you're not always telling a story like a once upon a time you're <laughs> You're, you might just have the opportunity to have a tagline and that tagline has to tell the story. Mm. You know, so you might have five, five words to tell your entire story. And, and so the, the trick then is to, to let the tagline create imagery in the, in the person consuming that billboard or, or social media snippet or, or whatever it is and allows the person consuming it to imagine the rest of the story. So yep. imagine themselves back in that situation when they were a youngster playing sport or, um, you know, drinking a, a, a drink on a hot day or, you know, wearing, or a, cold one. Wear a, wearing a <laughs> pair of sunnies or, you know, whatever, just putting themselves in that environment and then and then using the imagery and the tagline to um, let them continue to tell the story in their own mind. So that's, that's Why is that important? How does, it, how does it change the engagement with the audience? Well, if, if you can get your audience, so this comes down to the psychology of selling, um, which is a, another deep conversation, but um, if, you can <laughs> get your, if you can get your audience drawing an emotional interaction and telling the story to themselves and, and allowing themselves to, to float off with it, um, you know, then, then you're for them to be able to actually do that, they've had to have psychologically purchased the product first. So yep. they're imagining themselves wearing your pair of sunglasses because in their head they've bought a pair and now they're enjoying it. So is that all about moving them from just an, an emotionally engaged audience to more of a transactional business one if that's the, the goal of your story is to generate sales? Exactly right. And, I mean, even if the goal of the story isn't to generate sales, the emotional interaction the transaction isn't necessarily a purchase. The transaction could be um, any other thing, which is a perfect segue into to yeah, section three. Yeah, very which good, is which is? Drives action or change. You so, don't need me anymore. <laughs> so a good story will start with an outcome in mind. So you know what you want to achieve by the campaign that you're using the story to tell and using, you know, through the campaign or tagline or execution or lifetime. And, and you know, good sponsorships evolve over a lifetime, telling a consistent story. And, and it'll drive some form of action and change. So that transaction we were talking about there um, is literally just the audience performing the desired outcome. So we've got three key features of a good story. We've got number one, authenticity and alignment. Two, it draws an emotional interaction. And three, it drives action and change. What yeah. other things do we need to consider when we're telling stories? So the, the, the sort of key things that I see are um, you need to know what you want to achieve. So you need to know what the end is. Um, you need to have the resources available to share it. I, I see so many people go into a sponsorship or um, you know marketing campaign and have all these great ideas, but they don't have the resources to share it. And remembering you're using the sponsorship to access an audience. So you need to use channels that that audience 
engage with. Mm. So if your rights holder that you're sponsoring doesn't um, have a you know massive visibility on their Facebook page, don't create a Facebook story campaign. You know, you've got to... Or, or, or if they don't, they've only got four followers on YouTube, don't create a video series. Exactly right. And, and so the, and, but then also the resources to share it. So, you're, again, you're not controlling the actual execution necessarily, the, your rights holder is, so they have to have the skills and e- technology to be able to do that. Would it be fair to say that you need to not only just look at the audience that your rights holder has in their channels but also your own audience and channels and look for where there's crossover so for example if you know you're a football club and you've got a a massive youtube following and you know your own audience and customers all follow you on youtube then video content storytelling might be the way to go exactly because you're going to share it yourself well that's that's the authenticity part as well because that brings the two spheres together and that overlap actually is where the the partnership comes in that's a that's a mutually beneficial um, audience there because you can turn your, you know, um, consumers of your product or or service as a brand into fans of that rights holder because of their following of you and vice versa, and so then um, the appetite of the desired audience is another consideration. So what do they like consuming information through, um, and then measurement. You need to be able to measure it. You need to know if it's successful. So setting those measurement parameters, the goals, the objectives, you know, the time frames, the me- the key performance dates, things like that all need to be outset from the outset. And each, I look at those points and they're really just almost a subset of your overall sponsorship because, mm. you know, we know that you should be talking about what you want to achieve, uh, the resources that you've got available to activate yes. the sponsorship yep. um, and, and how you're going to measure it. So sh- surely as a partnership, that's all about working together. Yeah, working together to drive the value. And this is where a, any good activation doesn't come from one side of the fence. This is where both brand and rights holders work together. The brand come up with ideas. The rights holder help tweak it to, to get most out of it. They work together through the execution and they adapt throughout the process. So, you know, they might come up with a, a, a plan or a, or a campaign and it, it ends up being something slightly different because they've worked together to figure out the best way of it or it might be halfway through and they they pivot on that and take it down a different path because they're getting some other unforeseen benefits out of it. But, um, you know, all of those sort of executions and things, they start with a long-form version of the story so you know what the ending is, you know what the story is trying to be, you're best off just writing the story out and then figuring out, okay, how can we turn that into uh, something that is good for just a billboard? How can we turn that into an LED-appropriate... Well, it's no different to what we do with the blog. Sandwich. You write a blog because some people like to read it, mm. but then we repurpose it into a conversation here. Exactly it, right. It gives it extra legs, extra reach. Some people prefer to learn by listening in the on the podcast. Some people don't listen to the podcast and go and read the blogs. Yeah, and, and the key is um, to the to effective storytelling, and, and this is what Stuart mentions on the podcast, is that attention spans are getting shorter. What? <laughs> you are an old millennial. Um, <laughs> and opportunities to engage with audiences are always moving. So, mm. you know, even even now in the Premier League football in the UK, the the, the 
fan facing LED is a new thing which has sort of opened up a whole new suite of opportunities for the footy clubs over there the sleeve partnership and everything that comes with that they're moving into a new domain of sponsorship and it's only going to get worse with virtual reality well or better and um, well i mean yeah yeah (laughs) i mean more complex but yes hopefully better but but the the key there is then consistency so um whilst because time sh- um, attention span, sorry, are shorter, opportunities are changing. You've got to figure out ways of telling that same story in many different ways, and that might be that your board um, know some key elements of the story. So they're in, when they're in a conversation, or they're making a speech, or you know they're in getting someone's being interviewed, or you're pr- producing some artwork, things like that. It's it's always almost like speaking points. It's always elements of the same story because people consume things in in much lighter but more frequent fashions now the story has to almost be told consistently so it sort of beats the clutter but also so it evolves over time very good so stories are big they're valuable they hold a lot of importance in sponsorship and so we talked about you know some of those key features authenticity and alignment uh, drawing emotional interaction, driving actions and change, and then a whole bunch of considerations when sharing around uh, achievement, resources, measuring, and then the importance of working together. And ultimately, that the key is that the audience's attention span is is shorter and it's and it's moving, and you've got to figure out how to manage that. And consistency is the key. Very good. That's All right. right. Uh, and if you want to go and read all of that uh, in detail, of course, just head to sponsor.net, head into the blog section, and it's right there. Now, you're off on a trip. I think this podcast we've been talking about. We've been talking about this trip for about the last yeah. four episodes. So but it's now, this podcast will be shared. When do you leave? I'll Wednesday? Be, I'll, be on, I'll be on in the air when you share this. Yeah, right. Yeah. So heading to New York. New York first, big full I've got a very full three weeks so um, on the ground in New York visiting that's good because your wife listens to the podcast (laughs) (laughs) up till (laughs) 5pm I'm visiting our friends at New York City Red Bulls very good Um, our friends at Nielsen Sport in in the US uh, and Rabobank yep so a big few days over there and it's just a short hop across the pond yeah a little rowing the boat over to um, to London and and a a huge three weeks in, in the UK so catching up with a whole bunch of people. Very good. All right. Thanks for joining us and uh, enjoy your trip Thanks, and mate. bring you back a present. Aligning benefits to sponsors' objectives is an important foundation in any good sponsorship, yet at times the industry still struggles to effectively achieve it. So we set about writing a step-by-step guide to help you uncover a potential sponsor's objectives, position suitable benefits under those objectives, achieve buy-in and ownership from the sponsor, and then set agreed goals around the partnership's objectives. And if you follow the advice in this guide, the end result will change your success rate in signing sponsors, but also that those partnerships will be much more beneficial for both parties and much more long-term relationships. Let's get into it. You've worked hard to land that new sponsor. Getting to know their business, understanding their objectives and convincing their key people of the benefits of partnering with you. And look, they're enthusiastic about the partnership and you're hoping it's going to work out well. However, even though the deal is signed, you're a little bit worried about whether you have fully aligned the benefits with their marketing objectives. And that's because you know that if alignment isn't quite right, renewing the deal may be tough. 
look, you've done what you need to do to close the deal, but you're still a little bit worried that come renewal time, they'll be saying, look, sorry, but we just don't feel we've been getting what we need from this partnership. That's an absolute killer. So why do all that hard work to bring a new sponsor on only to risk them not renewing? Look, it doesn't have to be that way. You can minimize the risk of poorly aligned benefits killing a great partnership by following a few simple steps outlined in this guide. And and, and this guide is based on our 30 plus years of collective experience in sponsorship and marketing where we've developed effective sponsorship partnerships and built an intimate understanding of how to achieve sponsorship success. So in this guide, you'll find a rigorous, well thought out and widely tested approach to understanding a sponsor's objectives and aligning the benefits or inventory you can offer to help them achieve those objectives. And so using this approach, you'll set your organisation up for long-term success and renewals will be simpler and partnerships longer. So it's ultimately, it's a win-win The approach in this guide will also massively differentiate you from other rights holders and give you an advantage when your potential sponsors are potentially shopping around for different options and trying to make a decision. And additionally, at budget time, if your partners are looking to trim a sponsorship or two, you'll be in a far better position to demonstrate that you have their objectives at heart and are better placed to meet their needs than other rights holders are. Now, this guide is best used in conjunction with our sponsorship planner cards, and you can find out more about sponsorship planner cards uh, just by heading to sponsor.net and heading to the resources section. Before we go too much further, it's important that you understand the relationship between return on investment, ROI, and return on objective, ROO. Now, people often use ROI and ROO interchangeably, but in the sponsorship industry, ROI and ROO are two very different things, yet they are part of the cycle of sponsor happiness and rely on each other very heavily. Sponsor happiness is the result of a successful cycle, which includes four key elements, each of which has many facets. At the end of the day, however, the cycle of sponsor happiness starts with the vision of return on investment and ends with the reception of return on investment. If we look at the return on investment vision... Any good partnership starts with return on investment at top of mind and any good sponsorship proposal should outline the numbers and the data and the channels and spell out how return on investment will likely be best achieved through the partnership. And once established and engagement is secured, the benefits offered to the sponsor should, at a minimum, help achieve return on investment. These are the tangible elements of sponsorship that can help you show that just by partnering with your organization, the sponsor is at least getting value for money through the benefits they receive. That's the first facet. The second facet is return on objective. Now, being aware of a sponsor's objectives, how they align to the benefits you are offering, and then setting goals against those aligned benefits is vital. That is return on objective. Those rights holders that can understand the objectives of a sponsor early, align benefits to them, set goals against those benefits, and then report back on them, including how they have tracked against those objectives, will create a much better relationship platform in which to work off with partners. And ultimately, this gives you the best chance of return on investment and then obviously retention. The third element is the internal processes. So internal processes are critical in being able to track return on investment align objectives, sorry, align benefits to objectives, and then set the goals to track return on objectives 
and then report back to your partners. So your internal processes actually require a fair bit of organisation and good record keeping and some systems to help support you. The fourth element circles around the entire process and that's relationships. And it starts from the first time you meet your partner and stops at all the stations in between to help ensure success is achieved, delivered, monitored and measured. Not achieving a desired return on investment or falling short on some returns on objectives is not actually the end of the world. It won't kill a sponsorship. If you have a solid relationship, then you are working in partnership with your sponsor through the journey. Now, we've written a blog that goes into uh, much more detail and developed an infographic to support that detail. Uh, so if you just head to sponsor.net um, and go to the blog section or visit the show notes for this podcast uh, episode and we've provided a link where you can read that blog in more detail. The next step is to understand what objectives you can help a brand achieve. As the prayer phrase goes, if you don't know where you're going, then any road will take you there. And now the problem with that is that come in your time, the sponsor may very well be in a place that they don't want to be and you will have slim chances of retaining them. So before you can align benefits to objectives, you need to know what the actual objectives of the sponsor is or are. And that's why you really need to begin the conversation with them around what they are trying to achieve. Now, they might be able to easily answer that for you. However, if they can't, the next section that I'm going to talk about uh, of this guide looks at how you can draw those objectives out of them uh, reasonably easily. So there are eight common objectives that a brand is looking to achieve through sponsorship that you can help them achieve. And, and they are brand awareness, brand positioning, networking, building an audience, relationship building, both internal with staff and external with clients and suppliers or potential clients, community engagement, qualified leads, and generating sales. So through understanding the objectives of the sponsor and then aligning the benefits that you have to help that sponsor achieve those objectives, you will become an important and trusted element of their marketing, and that will make overall success and renewal much easier. So how do you actually uncover what those objectives are that a sponsor or or a brand is trying to achieve? Now, we've often been asked uh, by sponsorship professionals, I've been in meetings where the potential sponsor just isn't clear on what their objectives are. What should I do? Look, it is a tough situation because you would reasonably expect them to know what they are trying to achieve through a sponsorship or their marketing overall. But look, maybe not in a concrete way as they may wish to actually discuss some options with you, uh, but at least in a general sense. The one thing you should absolutely not do is simply revert back to poor practice, maybe even your old ways, and just spaghetti mix your benefit offering simply so that you can get an easy yes out of them. Instead, it it just means you need to work a little harder to draw out what their objectives are and what will be valuable to them. So there are three questions that you can ask that will lead you straight to the answer, even if that potential sponsor has very little idea themselves about what they're trying to achieve. Now, before you get to that objectives conversation, you need to remember that sponsorship objectives are directly linked to a brand's overall marketing objectives, which are driven by their marketing strategy. So 
If your potential sponsor doesn't know what their sponsorship objectives are, maybe ask if you can have a look at their marketing plan where the objectives should or hopefully be listed. If they don't have a documented marketing plan, then swing straight into asking them uh, the first question, which we're going to outline in a little bit. But always remember, sponsorship is just part of the overall marketing mix, and it sits inside the promotion element of the marketing mix. So if you aren't well-versed in the types of promotion that brands can use, then keep in mind that all marketing activities essentially fall into three categories. Now, those three categories are paid, produced, and people. So paid is the traditional type where a brand pays a media outlet to deliver a message. So it might be TV, radio, newspaper. And look, we often see that as interruptive marketing, or in layman's terms, we simply say that's advertising. The second one is produced. A brand produces content such as blogs or videos or podcasts like this one, case studies and, and white papers. And these are designed to connect more deeply with its target audience at the various stages of those customers or potential customers purchase decision process that they go through. And the third element is people. Now, this includes not just traditional networking, but also formal and non-formal partnerships and referral networks. Now, not all marketing activities fit into one of those three categories really neatly. Uh, and in fact, good marketing will often cross over those three categories. So for example, a brand may produce content which they then promote through paid channels. So you know, they might pr- uh, produce a podcast like this and post it um, and then pay to boost that on LinkedIn or as a sponsored uh, post on LinkedIn or boost it in Facebook or write some editorial that is paid to appear in a magazine or a newspaper. So now we can move on to getting into those three questions that will look at how you can uncover a sponsor's objectives. The first question is, what are your current marketing activities. Now, the purpose of this question is to determine who they are trying to connect with and how they are trying to connect with them. So an added bonus is that you'll also determine what potential alignment you may have with their marketing budget. Because if they talk about big, top-level, expensive marketing activities, then you know it's a reasonable assumption that you might be able to get a sizable sponsorship out of them. But if they're operating their marketing on a shoestring, they don't really invest, then it might be a bit of a harder sell or a smaller sell for you. Ultimately, you should be able to deduct what their objectives are by just having a little look at and examining the channels and activity their existing marketing is utilizing. So for example, if, if they execute large market-facing campaigns, uh, campaigns, so things like TV, advertising, then it suggests brand awareness and or brand positioning objectives. If they run surveys or content marketing campaigns or public marketing activations, then that suggests community engagement or generating leads as, as one of their marketing objectives. If they run competitions where people need to provide personal details to enter, then this suggests that building an audience is an objective. And if they attend things like structured industry events, then this suggests networking is an objective. If their answer starts to stall a little, then consider just simply asking them, what paid marketing do you do? And then ask the same question for the produced elements of marketing and the people channel. So those three elements of marketing that we spoke about before. Interestingly, because the people channel is not as outward facing, 
people often forget that they may actively utilize it to help grow their business. So unless you make them think about what networking they're actively doing, whether that's LinkedIn or going to events or there's paid uh, referral and, and partner channels, then if you don't draw that out of them, then sometimes they can forget about that as a marketing element. And that's why it's worth asking them specifically about formal and non-formal networking and partnerships that they utilize. The second question is uh, a bit of a, you can choose which one it is. We, we've got two questions that you can pose and you can choose which one uh, best suits the situation. So the, the second question is, what is attractive to you about our organization? So what is it that's, that's sponsoring or partnering uh, with us is attractive to you? Or you could ask them, what do you find attractive in other rights holders that you partner with if they have existing partnerships in place? By asking the potential sponsor what they find attractive about your organization or what they find attractive in other sponsorships that they have or have had, you will add to your knowledge of what their value, what they value as marketing objectives. At this point, it's important to differentiate between what the individual enjoys versus what they find valuable in their marketing from a business perspective. So if they say they love hospitality options because they have a great time and they can take their friends, then this isn't necessarily something that will add value to their actual business. How would it help them achieve an objective such as brand awareness? You know, a private box at the football won't help with brand awareness and that's why you need to be on guard to filter those sort of chairman choice benefits out as you have a discussion. If they say, however, that they love hospitality because it gives them an an intimate opportunity to engage with clients and potential clients or staff and it helps deepen relationships, then this suggests relationship building or networking are key objectives to their business. Now, that's not to say that you can't sweeten the deal with some hospitality simply because they enjoy it. However, if you focus too much on those benefits that they simply enjoy as opposed to the ones you know will help them achieve their objectives, then really all you're going to do is hinder your ability to provide real value. And the third question is, what does success look like? This question is designed to validate what you have uncovered by asking the first two questions. Simply ask them to describe what success would look like at the end of a sponsorship or a review period with you. Now, this might include asking them about how they need to report success inside their organization, including what sort of like key elements have made the difference between a mediocre and a successful partnership with other rights holders in the past. So for example, some big companies will say, oh, it's all about media exposure, in which case brand awareness and brand positioning should be solidified or confirmed as, as somewhere where you need to focus your efforts. The point is that it's not about what the individual enjoys. Instead, the answer to this question is all about how you can replicate other successful sponsorships that they have had or do have or deliver new success through the right mix of benefits and alignment of those benefits to their objectives. Okay, so now it's time to pull it all together. So the answers to the three questions that we discussed will hopefully draw out one, two or or three of the core objectives which the potential sponsor would like to achieve from partnering with you. As such, it's extremely important to let them talk and walk themselves through their own marketing objectives. So it's your job to pose the questions and then just listen and take notes whilst guiding them through the thought process. Uh, the ebook that this podcast is is 
built around uh, also includes a worksheet that you can use to record what you discover during your pre-meeting research as well as during the initial meeting. So simply head along to sponserve.net, go to the resources, go to the ebook section uh, or go to the show notes for this podcast which will also link directly to the ebook page. Now it's time to consider which benefits help achieve which objectives. So once you have an understanding of the objectives a sponsor wishes to achieve, you can work through each objective with them by discussing suitable benefits. It is important, however, to set expectations and a mutual understanding around the strategic selection of benefits. This will create a much clearer picture around what you can offer and what your sponsor can expect from you. You will have many benefits which, if you use them correctly, can integrate to create engaging offerings which will drive far better results for your sponsors. As such, communicate with your prospective sponsor about which resources and mechanisms they also have at their disposal to help execute and activate the benefits that you might be positioning for them. For example, if you think that a pre-game precinct activation would be a great benefit, then be sure to discuss with them if they have the resources to actually execute activations like that because you certainly don't want to create an awesome mix of benefits which are well aligned to their objectives only to find out later that the sponsor can't actually execute and activate those benefits. Later on, you'll find a list of common benefits. So we're going to discuss a list of common benefits that help achieve each of the eight core objectives of sponsorship. And you'll note that a number of the same benefits are listed under multiple objectives. And this is something that you should definitely keep in mind because one benefit can help a sponsor achieve multiple objectives if it's executed a certain way or executed multiple ways at different points in time. However, before we get to there... It's important that before you start, you keep the end in mind. There's no point in discussing benefits which are hard for you to deliver because you will never be able to provide a meaningful outcome for a sponsor. The dynamic to consider here is the total value of the benefits you are offering versus the financial contribution of the sponsor. Furthermore, and just as importantly, you also need to be mindful of the cost you incur internally as the rights holder in actually servicing those benefits. There are often many options available to achieve single or multiple objectives. To get it right, you need to be sure you are offering benefits that you can both deliver effectively and your partner can easily and effectively activate. The last thing you want to do is make the achievement of objectives either complicated or difficult to achieve as this will only affect success in your ability to renew. Finally, in the initial meeting or whether you're having these uh, meetings over a period of time, two, three, four uh, instances, don't be too specific about benefits that you have at your disposal. So for example, if hospitality seems like a desirable benefit, then you don't need to start outlining all the potential hospitality options. Or we've got open air boxes and catered boxes and private boxes or mixed box that you have available. You certainly don't need the potential sponsor to be making a decision then. And most likely you're going to have to go away and actually see what uh, available inventory volume you've actually got left. Instead, listen and record intently and then take all the information you gather away and spend time alone thinking about which specific benefits will work best together 
and overall. So your job is to return to them with a well-thought-out mix of benefits that is within budget, that is aligned to their contribution, and which you know can help achieve their stated objectives, and which you know you can execute effectively, and which they can activate effectively. So now we can get into more detail about what those actual objectives are, and which benefits are most well-placed to help you or a sponsor achieve those objectives. And the first one is brand awareness. And brand awareness is all about building awareness of a sponsor's brand amongst your audience, community, and supporters via appropriate benefit execution. So some of the common benefits you can position to help achieve brand awareness include EDM opportunities, social media access and promotion opportunities, member offers, business-to-business opportunities with other sponsors, product activations at events, website advertising, signage, IP usage to align their brand with yours, naming rights to your organisation, event or one of your programs, event announcements with a brand message and designations including associations such as exclusive supplier or preferred supplier, etc., the next benefit, or sorry, the next objective is brand positioning. And brand positioning is about positioning the sponsor's brand with specific audience segments through alignment with your brand via appropriate benefit execution. Now, by aligning with the sponsor, you can provide a very specific and important vehicle in the brand strategy so that they can position themselves to your audience effectively. Some of the common benefits you can position to help achieve brand positioning include Again, EDM opportunities, social media access and promotion opportunities, member offers, business-to-business opportunities with other sponsors, IP usage to align their brand with yours, naming rights to your organisation, event or one of your programs, user-generated content, the use of ambassadors, access to merchandise, endorsements, digital content integrations and logo placement. The third objective is networking, and the objective of networking is achieved by you connecting the sponsor and their clients and partners with prospective clients and partners that you have an existing relationship with. Some of the common benefits that you can position to help achieve the objective of networking include social media through certain platforms such as LinkedIn and closed groups, the use of ambassadors to engage with prospective and new contacts, the provision of business-to-business opportunities from within your network, ticketing opportunities event at events where target introductions can be made, targeted introductions can be made, hospitality for the entertainment of, of clients and to meet new ones, facilitated introductions by you to a desired contact, and designations to position the brand as a trusted business partner of the rights holder. The fourth objective is building an audience. Building an audience is achieved by providing access to your audience so that the sponsor can then execute benefits that gather information from that audience, which allows the sponsor to then communicate directly with them in the future. So for example, might be phone numbers, addresses, uh, email addresses. Now, some of the common benefits you can position to help achieve building an audience include, again, EDM campaigns, which engage and prompt data capture, social media promotions and competitions, website advertising targeted directly at engaged and loyal followers, member surveys, which provide initial contact and passive engagement, uh, the use of member offers, merchandising for giveaways and competition use, 
the creation of integrated digital content that aligns the two brands to create trust and engagement in the eyes of the target audience, utilizing activations to showcase the sponsor's product or service at events, and competitions through integrated asset use, which will help capture data. The fourth objective is relationship building, and relationship building is achieved by the sponsor executing benefits which help them develop and strengthen relationships with clients, prospective clients, staff, and any other stakeholders they may have. Some of the common benefits you can position to help achieve relationship building include social media through certain platforms such as LinkedIn and closed groups, the use of ambassadors to engage with prospective and new contacts, the provision of business-to-business opportunities from within your network, ticketing opportunities at events where targeted introductions can be made, hospitality for the entertainment of clients and staff and maybe to meet new clients, facilitated introductions by the rights holder to desired contacts and designations to position the brand as a trusted business partner of the rights holder. The next objective is community engagement and community engagement is achieved by you, the rights holder, providing access to a community through an emotionally attached and trusted source, which is your brand, that the sponsor may otherwise or usually have difficulty accessing. Some of the common benefits you can position to a sponsor to help them achieve community engagement include EDM opportunities, social media access and promotion opportunities, member offers, business-to-business opportunities with other sponsors that you have, IP usage to align their brand with yours, naming rights to your organisation, event or a program, uh, user-generated content, the use of ambassadors, access to merchandise, endorsement, digital content integrations and logo placement. The seventh objective is generating sales. Generating sales is about executing benefits that deliver an audience that are pretty much ready to purchase from the sponsor. There is little work for the brand or the sponsor to complete before a sale is made. Now, this one comes with a little special note because uh, generating sales is the holy grail for most sponsors, uh, but it is important, however, to approach it correctly and in the process, making sure that you protect the integrity and the image of both your brand as the rights holder and the sponsors because the key is to tastefully generate the opportunities. To be successful in helping to generate sales, the sponsor will often need to activate a number of other core objectives such as brand positioning, community engagement and or qualified leads. So as such, this makes this objective most suitable for those partners who have a deeper engagement and a larger financial contribution to you. Some of the common uh, some of the common benefits you can position to help achieve generating sales include key event program advertising and activations, which provide opportunities to demonstrate products or to drive an objective direct to a live and engaged audience, digital content for the sponsor to use, targeted directly at the rights holder's audience and providing engagement opportunities. So for example, competitions, member offers, leveraging the trust and networks of the rights holder to deliver specific offers and opportunities to members, website and social media advertising for the brand to access an an already engaged audience, Uh, competitions to capture contact details, which allows them to continue engagement later uh, from people who are members or fans of you, the rights holder, 
direct mail, EDM, or SMS to bring multiple lead generating tools together, and the fi- and finally surveys to obtain valuable insights into member and fan behaviors. The last objective is generating qualified leads, and generating qualified leads is achieved through executing benefits that provide the sponsor with leads that are further advanced than simply just brand awareness and are therefore closer to purchase. And it is about providing the right types of leads to the brand because they already know that if you can provide the right types of leads at the right volume, they already know what their success will be in converting those leads. Now, some of the common benefits you can position to help achieve qualified leads include designations, IP use and endorsements such as official supplier or exclusive provider titles to position a level of excellence which loyal fans and communities and members will follow. Uh, Ambassadors and appearances on site. So these are particularly useful at things like retail outlets to attract an audience and drive sales through the star power that's been provided. Advertising opportunities at events such as within programs or through digital assets and direct mail, EDM or SMS again to bring multiple lead generating tools together. Okay, so we come to the next steps and if you've you've followed this advice then you were careful not to be too specific about the benefits that you can offer. And the reason this is such a great approach is because you are slowing things down and there is no pressure to try and get a yes from the sponsor in the first meeting. So this now gives you uh, some breathing space. And once back at your desk, review the research worksheet uh, that you can get from the ebook that you've completed. Uh, And if you have used our sponsorship planner tool, the, the sponsorship planner cards, then you'll have an even better understanding and sponsor buy in of what benefits you now need to consider piecing together. Using your sponsorship management software, whatever that looks like, run a report on all of your available and unsold inventory under the benefit categories that you know will help achieve the stated objectives which the sponsor is engaged with. Now, this effectively provides an easy-to-reference list of unsold benefits, uh, preferably across multiple years, which you can consider offering to the sponsor. Your sponsorship management software should also provide some really valuable information about the value of the benefits, including the cost to you to actually uh, service them, which is really important in terms of putting together a, a price for the total package and helping determine return on investment for the sponsor, but just as importantly, return on investment for yourself. Now, using the worksheet that we provide in the ebook, list the, so there's a second worksheet which allows you to start penciling in benefits that you can align under objectives and the idea here is to list all the available and agreed benefits under aligned objectives and remember that a benefit can help achieve or a single benefit can help achieve multiple objectives so be sure to list a suitable benefit under all the relevant objectives that a sponsor a potential sponsor has nominated that they're looking to achieve you can also be specific about the benefits at this stage. So, for example, uh, you know we spoke earlier about not being too specific about hospitality elements, but now you can be specific. So, for example, you may have only discussed hospitality with the sponsor, but you can now list something more specific, so such as a 16-person catered hospitality private suite. 
You should also nominate next to each benefit what the value to the sponsor will be or what we commonly call recommended retail price. So, you know, for a a suite like that, it might be $8,000 or $20,000. But again, remember that some benefits will help achieve multiple objectives. So be sure not to double dip on on the recommended retail price that you've positioned. What you will produce is a list of benefits that you know the sponsor wants and both they and you can execute, and which are arranged under the objectives you know that they want to achieve. Now, this will effectively become your Schedule A in any eventuating contract. You may even consider creating a matrix in the contract where you nominate which benefits you've aligned to which objectives, just for for greater transparency and, and information. Now... It's time to take that schedule of benefits and value back to the sponsor and discuss how you will use them to achieve specific goals for each objective, i.e. work with the sponsor to complete the bottom part of the worksheet, which is all around what the goals are. Now, the key here with setting goals is to set SMART goals. Now, we've heard all heard that acronym, SMART goals, and setting objectives is obviously the foundation of a great partnership, but you want to avoid a situation where you think you have, for example, increased sales, but that the sponsor doesn't think that they have increased enough. And you always want to know what the goal's going to be. So as the rights holder, you need to be very, very clear about what success looks like for the sponsor because a simple goal of increased sales is is just too ambiguous because if a sponsorship delivered the brand $1,000 worth of new customer sales, but the sponsorship costs them $5,000 plus execution costs, then they won't be deeming that a success. As such, it's important that you you both set and agree goals for each objective or the partnership overall. And, and in setting goals under each objective, you should use, as I mentioned before, the tried and tested SMART approach, i.e. your goal should be specific, measurable, actionable, reasonable, and timetabled. So let's continue down the path for the objective of increasing new customer sales, which would clearly fall under the generate sales objective, and work through an example of what a SMART goal uh, would look like. So the first step is specific. You need to create a specific goal, one that is clear and not ambiguous, and it shouldn't include fluffy words. So don't set goals as such as more business because this could mean new clients, retaining clients or cross or upselling clients. Instead, you need to be specific. So for example, it might be increase new customer sales. Second step is to make it measurable. This doesn't have to be a straight return on investment measurement as there are many ways of determining the success of a partnership. However, it needs to be able to be measured. So for example, If we expand um, on the specific element, we move it to increase new customer sales by 15%. This this isn't simply about putting a number in the goal. You need to make sure that you or the brand have the ability, so have the reporting systems or processes to to be able to determine what business is new and by how much. The next step is actionable. So does the combination of both your skills and the resources that the sponsor can bring actually provide you as a partnership the ability to take the action required to achieve the goal? 
The next step is reasonable. So if the brand has been able to increase new customer sales by 12 to 14% over the past few years, then 15% is a, is a reasonable goal. 50% probably isn't. We then need to make it timetabled. And this is as simple as setting a deadline date for the achievement of each goal. So for example, if we, we draw this goal out again, it would be to increase new customer sales by 15% by June 2018. However, if it is a long-term partnership with a distant date, then you could consider setting smaller milestones and and, and measure and report back on those milestones to ensure you are progressing well. And and it ultimately gives you the ability to adjust what you're executing if you don't think that you're going to meet some of those goals. So it is also okay to set multiple goals under the one objective. Don't forget that. So the result, remembering that our objective is to generate sales, let's take a look at that goal. It is to increase new customer sales, specific, by 15%, it's measurable, and by June 2017, so it's timetabled. And considering the history of increasing new sales as we fabricated before, we can see that 15% is, is reasonable, that's the R, and you have discussed and agreed, you both have the resources to actually achieve that goal, so it is actionable. Okay, so now we're at the final step. Now that you have agreed the objectives, you've got suitable benefits uh, to achieve those objectives and they're aligned and you've set smart goals that the sponsor wants to achieve, it's time to put it all together and show the potential sponsor. Now, your research and discussions would have given you a pretty good idea of how much the sponsor is willing or can afford to pay and that means you now have everything you need. It's time to create the written proposal. So this whole approach is all about moving the sponsor to a position of them feeling comfortable that you are committed to helping them extract real return on objectives for their business and not just receive money and contra and simply deliver benefits, which is really just a basic, I pay for something, I get something. We promise that if you follow this approach, being mindful not to rush through the steps, i.e. this can be done over several meetings, that you will contrast so heavily with others competing for the same money who are often using you know, the much maligned cold sending package proposals that you will not only change your success in signing sponsors, but that they will be much more beneficial and long-term relationships. I hope you found that walkthrough of how to align benefits to sponsor objectives useful and thought-provoking. We certainly set about to, to build and write that in a way that was easy to follow, but also really practical. Now, during that chat, I mentioned a number of worksheets that can help you in your quest, and those are available in the ebook we've written, and you can download the ebook from sponsor.net. Just head to the site, click on the resources tab in the menu, and then head to the ebook section, or simply head to the show notes for this podcast at sponsor.net, and there is a link there for you. Of course, if you have any questions around any aspect of the process, just get in contact or if you want to shout out on the show or you just want to say hi, then be sure to get in touch because we absolutely love hearing from you guys. If you want to connect with me, you can do so on LinkedIn. Just search for Daniel Oyston or drop me an email at daniel at sponsurf.net or on Twitter using the handle at Sponsurf. And of course, you can connect with Mark Thompson on LinkedIn or email using mark at sponsurf.net. Now, I heard a great line the other day on a business podcast I was listening to where the host said, 
Word of mouth is my oxygen. I depend on it. And he was referring to people leaving uh, a rating and review on iTunes. And in terms of new people in the industry finding this podcast, it's kind of the same deal with us. So if you have a moment and you love the show, we'd be forever grateful if you could just pop to iTunes and leave a short review. We'd really, really appreciate it. Until next time, I'm Daniel Oyston. Thanks for listening to Inside Sponsorship. Thanks for listening to the show. For more episodes, blogs and resources, head to sponserve.net or search for Sponserve on Facebook, Twitter or LinkedIn.